So I went to go restock on wine today and I somehow walked away with two reds. So we'll see how that goes. Um, the name of the wine, though, is Desire Lush and Zin. So I assume there's a Zinfandel somewhere in there. Might okay. be a blend. It's um, it's that's the same grape that we had yesterday. I mean, it's I'm pretty sure it's a Primitivo. Oh, it does say Primitivo. Yes. Yeah, I'm really into that. I think it's my favorite grape. I don't know if it's like a classy option, but I think it's good. I was surprised that you wanted to get red yesterday. I thought maybe you were going to be like Let's red. Just seems get a rose. more like a classic for um Italian food. Well, like a red sauce pasta. You know, like if you're doing oh. like a white wine pasta or like clams or, you know, something like that, you would do white wine. Is it but... technically a red sauce pasta? Because actually on the, on the back of their wine list, they have those suggestions. They literally have a section that says like red sauce wines. And I had to like read that several times because I was like, is this a red wine? Is this pasta sauce? Oh. <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And then I was like, oh, I get it now. <laughs> yeah. It took me a hot Maybe second. penne a vodka should just be eaten with vodka straight. Here we go. Got a pot and a pan and no idea what to do. Hey Siri, how do I make a delicious, nutritious meal? Are you looking for a delicious, nutritious uh, meal that's easy to make? Yes, lay it on me. Well, today I'm going to show you how to make chicken fricassee uh, with a roasting summer vegetables. Another super simple recipe for the easy, easy kitchen. Hey. Easy, peasy, this recipe is tried and true. Easy, peasy, a monkey can do it, and so can you. Hey. Everyone, to Bottomless Broadway, where we talk musicals over mimosas. As the regular show schedule goes, we are well into reviewing new musicals this season and today we're going to be talking about mrs doubtfire oh and i'm here with christine (laughs) (laughs) hello cindy (laughs) one day it's not going to be weird um cool so so yeah mrs doubtfire what are you thinking um so i actually did come up with five words before we, we recorded this Okay, And it's because we like kind of had a conversation about this earlier today, but my five words are, is it better than Tootsie? Tootsie was like critically acclaimed, right? I think the critics did like it, yeah. Yeah, I don't see that happening for this show. I think it already opened. <sighs> oh shit, really? There's reviews? Uh, I am checking... Um, yeah, in December. Mrs. Doubtfire review. Nanny doesn't know best. Yeah, that doesn't sound like a positive This new family-friendly musical adapted from the hit movie ends up cowering in the original film's shadow. Wait, those, um, you know how New York Times has those, like, inline ads? Uh Uh-huh. Like, not the ads for, like, random shit, but they, like, suggest you other articles. Oh, yeah, uh uh-huh. Um... The articles that are like suggested in the middle of the review is like a section called on being transgender in America. Interesting. I feel like that's intentional. Um, yeah. So, okay. so they didn't like it. Right. <laughs> well, so I guess like just to get this out of the way, everyone and their mom is going to be comparing Mrs. Doubtfire and Tootsie after if they've seen both because 
They both involve a man putting on a dress because for some reason he can't do what he wants as a man. We were talking about how the the circumstances in Tootsie are a little more suspect because it's like he can't get a job as a man because he's like too opinionated or whatever. And he doesn't he has like always has creative differences with his director. And so then he auditions as a woman and all of a sudden like he has all these amazing ideas and people are listening to him and he's just like pretending to be a woman this whole time um and so that's like kind of sus because it's like an actual like workplace fraud situation so like the opposite of the truth yeah and in mrs doubtfire it's because he's divorcing from his wife and his wife gets full custody of the kids and he just wants to see his kids more. So people are like, Oh my God, that that's like a better reason. Quote unquote. But like the way he does it. And this sort of gets into the beginning of the show is like, first of all, they're divorced because he cannot take anything seriously. The wife is trying to actually like raise their kids properly and like feed them healthy food and like make sure they get their homework done. And he's just like, what if we just leave school early and have a party? And so she's like, I can't live with this anymore, which is very understandable. And also like (laughs) an unemployed actor. So like she is like running a business and raising their kids and she's like it just sounds like she's always like hey i need you to participate and he just like has refused for many years and then they get a divorce and he's automatically like my life sucks and blah blah and i'm like yes because you're a terrible person yeah and so then it's like he literally dresses up as well so first of all so the the wife because she's like busy and she's trying to run her own business she puts out an ad for a nanny and he literally hacks into her email i mean like he doesn't even hack he like knows her password but it's still like not like they're divorced they're no longer living together it's very sketchy um he like logs into her email finds the listing that she posted changes the number that she posted for them to call her at so that they won't actually call her and then he calls her pretending to be a multitude of different people and gets himself hired essentially by being a scottish nanny named mrs outfire and i was like fuck did he get there (laughs) i feel like he was just like doing voices and he's like this is the one Well, like he was obviously like doing a bunch of voices to like purposely sabotage the process. And then he like came up with this like too good to be true Scottish nanny who raised like 10 kids before or something. And I was like, this is like intentional gaslighting. Like, what the fuck? So I don't know if his motivations are actually better than the motivations in Tootsie. I mean, that's why they kept repeating, like, he's such a good dad. He just wants to be around his kids. He got a janitor job in, like, five seconds, which is all he really needed to see his kids. (laughs) Yeah, because literally all they (laughs) – they just said he needs to have, like, an apartment that is inhabitable. He needs to have steady income. And I think those were the only two requests, really. My – one of my favorite lines from the opening number, which I, like – just stuck out to me was because they're like sort of narrating the family situation and they're talking about the parents and they're like he has three kids she has four which i thought was pretty funny Um, the oldest daughter's name is lydia and she like pretty much starts off the show where she's just like 
well, my family's fucked. Which I also thought was a smart move just to like give the kids perspective. Yeah. I mean, so what's wrong with this picture, which is the opening number, Daniel, that's Mrs. Doubtfire's real name, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't really want to like hear him sing because like at that point, he's just like head in the clouds, like throwing whipped cream on the ceiling. (laughs) So like, I didn't like, he just, he has nothing to say, you know? I just didn't really know like who was going to like start. And it was mm-hmm. nice that, that Lydia started, but I don't think it was like a super memorable song. No. Well, apparently it used to be like three different songs. Like they had a series of three songs or something that started the show. Holy and shit. then they just like rewrote it into this one song. Apparently they made a lot of changes during the pandemic because I was like reading up on things that people noticed. And that was like one of the changes I they made like during the pandemic, I think interesting so what they really were want to be it. there it's that's oh, his that's i want his, song right his the one where we were like like yeah he starts singing it in the courtroom and he's like oh and lydia's gonna be like at the age where she starts noticing guys and like she's gonna need help with that and i'm like is she though because i don't know that you would be that helpful and um and he's talking about how like basically each of his kids have issues and he's the only one that can solve them is his perspective and i'm like dude we don't like like, you yet like we don't care how much you want to be there because you're not doing anything that you're mentioned like doing in this song because you are not giving them any advice you're not like helping them at all so i think it's also just like well to his credit it's like he notices different things i guess like i think like their mom is just like a very textbook mom and like she mostly just cares about what the school says and so like she's like talking to her therapist and she's like i'm so stressed because um i don't even know the other kids names christopher and natalie christopher and natalie he's like she's like yeah like christopher is like failing algebra or whatever and like natalie bites her nails until her fingers bleed and she's like i've been trying to like get him to help me with this and like he doesn't give a fuck so it's just like she's not being supported in the things that she thinks are issues and then he's like these are the things that i think are issues which is like cool i guess that they like you know Uh i feel like it's like okay like they're they're there for their kids in different ways right but yeah his courtroom message was really dumb it was just like i feel like it came too soon because we literally just saw a whole opening number where he was being a piece of shit and like she was just trying to get like a family photo and he like dressed up like a pirate and was like let's make it fun and two thousand dollar lens (laughs) that he can't pay for because he has no income right exactly So it's like we really had very little sympathy for him at this point in the show. And he was trying to get us to be sympathetic to him. So it just, I don't know. It came too soon. Like, I get that it's like an I want song, but I honestly don't know if we needed that song at all because it was like, okay, yeah, obviously you want to be with your kids. Like, I don't think we need an extended song about that. Um, Yeah. And it also dragged out like a low point of the show for too long, I think, because like, you're expecting a comedy mm-hmm. and we start with what's wrong with this picture and I want to be there. And it's like, I get there's like an exposition, but get me to the fucking comedy already. What's <laughs> with these like back to back ballads? 
Also, so you know, I don't remember how far you got in The Secret Life of the American Musical, but you know how it like lays out the structure of a show? This yeah. is like a textbook structure, basically. Like you have your opening number, you introduce the people, you have your I, I want song. song, you have a big production number to like energize the audience again, you have your like turning point where it's like, you know, things are looking up for the main protagonist, and then like right before intermission, like shit happens and they're like fucked. And then I was like, damn. They just like went down the checklist and they're like, yep, yeah, we got a song for that. And we got a song for that. And we got a song for that. Crazy is a pistol and barrels of fun. The bond that we're forming has only begun. He needs his father and I need my son. Don't take away all my reasons for living. It's more than I can. So look beyond any misgiving. You'll see there's a father who cares. Trying to make it all last. They grow up so fast. And I need to, I got to, I wanna be there. He just has, I feel like for a show like this, like a disproportionate number of ballads because every song that's like a happy song for him just brings in the kick line which <laughs> happens in the next song make me a woman and i did not know that that dude that hairdresser was actually his brother oh, and yeah. i also did not make that think clear. that they he and the makeup artist were together like mm. and like obviously they're gay but when they were together i was like what like i thought they were just lying to the social services lady and then when he was like, I'm his brother, I also thought he was lying to the social services lady. <laughs> I just thought, I thought everything they said was a lie. But turns out like 40% was true. Listen, the moral of the story here, it, it's basically like the boy that cried wolf. Like one person tells a lie and all of a sudden everyone has to be lying. I'm just <laughs> like, this is all a lie. And then when he was like, actually Daniel's brother, I was like, what? But yeah, so lucky for Daniel. Does this happen in the movie? Like, lucky for yeah, Daniel, like his-, his brother, and I think it's his brother's partner, um, they're, like, makeup artists or, like, wig makers or something, because they are also the ones He's that, like... He's a hairstylist, and then the, the hus- his partner is a makeup artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they also are the ones that he goes to, to be like, help, I need to be a woman, and they're like, what the fuck? Um, and you know what? So- He's an actor, right? So I truly thought, like, these were just his, like... Oh yeah, that would make up artist friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, why are they so tight with him? He barely works. <laughs> well, so they hear like he basically says like I want to, I need to look like a woman, but he doesn't specify what kind of woman. So they're like, oh my god, like Diana, Cher, Donna Summer, um, Grace Kelly, like they're just like listing off their favorite icons essentially. And then he's like, no, I need to be an old woman. And then they start going like Margaret Thatcher and um, who are the other ones? The, the the punchline was a little bit of Oscar Wilde. Yeah, it's basically just a lot of ladies in plaid suits. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like, and th- but then the original group of Grace Kelly and Donna Summer also came back onto stage. And so it was like four old lady in plaid suits with like five like diva icons and then one oscar wilde just like 
going fucking crazy. I don't even know where Daniel was in this scene. Well, he was getting made over. I'm pretty sure they oh, switched yeah, him they, out they with a body double. Yeah. When as soon as they put the wig on him. When they grabbed yeah. that grandma wig and covered his head. Uh-huh. They he probably just crawled out and then had <laughs> someone else on. Yeah. And and I expected that to happen because I thought that the transformation into Mrs. Doubtfire would be quite involved, but then we saw him get in and out of it like 16 times in the show in like 5 seconds. So that's why I was so impressed. It was very impressive. I think it was also like smart to show that transition on stage because it's like you can see sort of like his actual. I don't know. I liked seeing it. I liked being able to see it. Yeah, it was funny. I wish like we could get more up close and I just can't. In ma- see like, how well the mask actually. Yeah, fits. I want to see how nice the rubber skin looks and like. It's just so fucking weird that his wife didn't know it was him. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, so I was listening to like an interview with the creators and cast. And this was before they actually started on Broadway after their Seattle um, premiere. And they were talking about how the director is Jerry Zachs, who he also did um, the current Music Man and stuff. But he was talking about how he like did not want to do prosthetics because he thought that prosthetics would look fake or whatever. But he was like, no, he's going to be speaking like up close to his wife and ex-wife and his children. Like, there's no way they're not going to know it's him unless he does. He has a prosthetic on. So then he was like, OK, I guess we can do prosthetics. But he just thought it'd be like too much effort to like put on and off and like make it stay on and stuff. And I don't even know how the fuck they created this because it is. It- does stay on fairly well yeah he like wraps a piece of rubber around his face and just covers it with a wig yeah without the wig it looks pretty creepy it looks (laughs) so bad he like it just looks like a man missing part of his hair and then he has like really fat chin and like weird bone structure he looks like an ogre like (laughs) he looks like a skin colored truck when mm-hmm. we saw him like that, it, like, freaked me the fuck out. I was like, oh, my God. Like, he's a monster and or <laughs> his face is really bloated. Didn't the rubber mask wrap over his mouth? I, it must have had, like, a mouth hole or something. I don't but know. then, like, isn't that super obvious? Like, I feel like the cheekbones can be – the cheekbone area where it connects his face uh-huh. can be, like, covered by glasses frames. Right. Kind of. But, like, mouth? Like, he just has, like, his real mouth sticking out of some a rubber mask? I don't fucking know. That's fucking crazy. Um, so, so the song after is What the Hell, which is kind of a fluff piece by the kids. I actually do like this song. Like, I'd say out of, like, of, of, like, melodies and stuff, outside of, like, the song called About Time, which we both agreed was the best song of the show. I think What the Hell was the one that like stood out to me the most. I literally don't remember how this goes. <laughs> I just thought I the only reason why I liked it was because when Natalie sang and she looked so sad, it yeah. broke my heart. She milks so much emotional payoff from the show. She's like, so cute. She's just like a perfect little like round-cheeked girl. Like, this like Lydia is a great sister like she's gonna need a lot of therapy like she says but (laughs) she's such a good sister because like her younger siblings are like little kids and like um 
basically like Christopher is like, I feel like this is my fault. Like my parents got divorced because I got bad grades and they fought about it, which is like things that kids of divorced parents say, you know? Yeah. Um, and I'm like, okay, I feel bad for you. But then like Natalie, who like is like six years old and she's like straight up like pouting on stage and she's like, no, it's because I bite my nails. And I was like, oh, my poor baby. <laughs> and um, and then Lydia's like, guys, it's not your fault. And she like riles them up and she's like, it's none of our fault. Like, isn't it like so shitty that we're the ones stuck with divorced parent life even though we didn't do anything what the hell and and then it's funny because natalie's like you're not supposed to say that word like that's a bad word and lydia's like well parents aren't supposed to like be little pieces of shit so i could do whatever (laughs) i want i i like improvise my own wording on that but that's essentially what she said yeah and this is when this is when they visit um, Daniel's new apartment post-divorce for the first time. And it looks unlivable. Like, <laughs> there's, like, brown stains all over the walls and absolutely no furniture. And she's like, Dad, I'm so fucking mad at you. Also, he didn't um, even have cash to pay for delivery. And so yeah. Lydia had to pay for it. Yeah. And then and then his kids were like really sad and then they were like, Is it my fault? Is it mom's fault? And then he was like, No, it's nobody's fault. And I was like, It's your fault. You fucking <laughs> like the whole trash song man. was just showing us how much it was your fault. <laughs> what kind of makes me matter is that like he can do it. Like yeah. he well- literally does it in like 24 hours as mrs delfire like yeah he yeah. can't like, cook but he figures it out in like two days and like now he can make family dinners and he can tell his kids to do their homework and it's like dude like you should have just like i i wish they explored that more because like i was trying to like um justify it and i was like okay maybe he just like wants to be the fun dad because their mom is like the like yeah, you know the strict one and so he doesn't want to like ruin his reputation of the fun dad so like but when he's mrs doubtfire he's gonna do anything he can to like keep seeing his kids which means like getting them to do the stuff that they're supposed to do and so it's like i wish they sort of explored that dichotomy more of like who he wanted to be versus who he like needed to be i guess that's that's what it is he should have just worked it out with his wife he should have been like miranda what do you think if i put on an old lady costume and help you parent (laughs) but it's like he also just i guess needed the wake-up call of because he kept being like oh well like i'll have another chance i can change and then he doesn't change and so when miranda actually like got a divorce with him he was like oh fuck like now i actually have to go find an apartment find an affordable apartment in san francisco which was also like kind of funny um and then like actually do things to, it, it was just sort of like i don't think he could have done it while he was still married without that wake-up call can't you see what's happening here mom has made dad disappear and found someone that she thinks can Kid or not, we're gonna share the house with a creepy old lady in a hideous blouse who's gonna move in and slowly she'll erase him. Well, this was not supposed. 
So, like, he becomes Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, but he still needs another job because he needs a job <laughs> with official paychecks made out to Daniel so that he can show the court that he got a job so that he can keep his kids. So he gets a job as a janitor at, like, his brother's – at the same, like – TV studio that his brother works at where Mr. Jolly which is like a Mr. Rogers for morons is like the longest running show ever because he is 150 years old we basically just get introduced to Mr. Jolly and this like extremely emotionless producer on the show who's like hmm maybe this isn't a good show (laughs) And then he runs back to his nanny job for his own kids. So he puts on his Miss Doubtfire outfit. He goes to his kids and he like yells at them to do homework. They're like, we hate you. We want our dad. And we're like, ha And then they do their homework. And then he's in the kitchen asking Siri how to bake chicken. Mm-hmm. And that's easy peasy. And this is Siri's like, it's very easy to bake a whole chicken. You just got to like <laughs> rip its bones out. Yeah. And basically, like, and this is, like, so the set is pretty, it looks expensive. It looks like they spend a lot of money on the set. They also have a huge fucking cast. Um, But the set looks expensive, but it doesn't look complicated. Like, they're just a lot of large set pieces. And, but then all of a sudden here, people are, like, coming out of the ground or something. And I was like, where are these people coming from? Oh, really? I thought they were just, like, squatting behind the kitchen counter. Like, Oh, really? Days. For that long? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I mean, assume there was, like... we were talking about the girls in Aladdin who just, like, stood in <laughs> That's a true. for, like, 20 minutes. Yeah. Maybe they were just squatting there. I don't know. Um... Okay, so maybe the set is less cool, but it's still, like, very extensive in terms of, like, props and stuff. Because it's, like, the living room. Honestly, a lot of the yeah, show did right. kind of remind me of Beetlejuice. Like, first of all, yeah. the main girl's named Lydia. And this the house set, it's, like, it's like not as cool as the Beetlejuice house set. But, like, it sort of had a similar layout. Like, with where the stairs were, I think, and where, like, the table was or something. Yeah, it's in living room. Oh, it know. was the same set designer. Okay. Yeah, wait, I thought <laughs> you knew that already. I did not realize it was the same set designer. Wait, did you not tell me? Did I not? T- I don't think so. I don't know, because I knew. I, I also, me. like, while we were watching the show, forgot that Rob McClure was also in Beetlejuice. So, like, so, yeah, they basically just ported half of Beetlejuice over. Yeah, <laughs> They're like, so- we know how to work with a girl named Lydia. Exactly. So so in Easy Peasy, he's like, Siri, how do I make a healthy, nutritious meal, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Siri pops out of the ground. She's like, it's very easy, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, a whole kick line of chefs come in. <laughs> like, just a bunch of dancers in chef hats. They're, like, crowding him and, like, going crazy. Then there's, like, a YouTube commercial break where someone, like, talks about the side effects of medication. And then like another youtube person it's crazy like the chef keeps using terms he doesn't understand so then he has to google those terms and goes to like another youtube video yeah i thought this was gonna be his first big fun number because so far he's just had i want to be there and then like again i could barely see him and make me a woman 
because it's his change song and like mm-hmm. we haven't really seen that much out of him you know like he's a good actor like we all know that but we just he he like didn't do that much yet so i was like okay this is gonna be his number it's gonna be fun he's gonna like burn a chicken it's gonna be great but then like once again there were like 25 people on stage and i was not focused on him yeah i think they they really i i said this at intermission i was like they went harder on the choreography than they needed to and the costumes so many fucking costumes which is again why i'm like so i looked up Apparently, this show capitalized at $17 million, which is, I mean, it's not the most expensive show, as we know from, like, Moulin Rouge and stuff, but it's not, like, the least expensive show either. Like, $17 million is a good number. So, they were just like, yeah, let's hire some more people, and when we have more people, we gotta just, like, throw them on stage somehow, and that seems like what this was. Yeah, like, I've never, like consciously registered this many costume changes for like the ensemble like in make me a woman they were like all different ladies and then like here they're like chefs and we see them like come back so many times in different outfits there's a fuck ton of outfits yeah it's amazing like i guess like like we were saying like the Mrs. Doubtfire costume change is pretty smart anyway, but like I did not expect so much effort put into the outfits. They're <laughs> so gonna get a costume nomination, I hope. Yeah. Well, so in that um interview I was listening to, again, this was pre-Broadway, so maybe some of the changes they made have changes, but Rob McClure said he had 31 costume changes. So I don't yeah. even know. His quickest like change into Mrs. Doubtfire apparently takes 18 seconds. Wow. That's amazing. Yep. Um, so yeah. Anyways, he, he fails. He like orders DoorDash again. It's fine. Which, it's okay. Fine. Again, it's like, you know, he, but he orders like healthy DoorDash. So he like pretends it's a home cooked meal. Yeah. And it's like, he could have ordered healthy DoorDash this entire time that he was a dad and not just like, fried chicken every time and like what was it banana cream pie or something yeah he like plates it pretend it's real miranda gets home and she's just like here my dream come true blah 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 this is the most amazing thing ever and um and yeah that's oh yeah and she also starts talking about this guy at her her old college friend that um, because she's trying to start like a clothing line and he owns a bunch of gyms or something. And so she's like, oh, I talked to him and he said he would like feature my clothing line in his gyms and whatever. And then she like invites him over for dinner. And Daniel is like not happy about this. And here's another thing that I like wish they like delved into more. He's like not happy about this new guy for like a multitude of reasons. But I couldn't tell if he like wanted his wife back at all. Like. It obviously seemed like their marriage wasn't working from her perspective, but I couldn't tell if he just, like, assumed that their marriage was still working. That, like, like I couldn't tell how much of this emotional investment was, like, for his wife. It really was just, like, the kids he was focusing on. But he also seemed, like, jealous of this random guy that she was bringing back. So that was kind of confusing. Oh, I think he still liked her. But then he, like, never actually talked about that, like, in the end or anything like it was never well, like oh i think we can make this work it was always like i think we can 
make this work for the kids. It was. I think it, he just yeah. realized because like this guy, like he, I feel like in a lot of similar plots like this dude would be an asshole because he's like a gym owner and he's super hot and stuff but like he seemed like a really nice guy like when daniel was talking to him as mrs doubtfire he was like she's like so smart i love her so much like this is the woman i've been looking for like he just like seems to really like her for all the right reasons and then like he's still like no because He's like, no, 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 she's not interested in you because I think like he likes her. But then later on, they sit on the couch and like they're talking about Daniel and she's like, I can never go back there. Like, Uh, I loved him so much, but like, it's just not going to work out. Like, we're just like not compatible anymore. And it makes me so sad. And she has that whole conversation. And then like she falls asleep on Mrs. Doubtfire's shoulders and he like pats her on the head and he's like, He's like, oh, I bet he knows now. And then the next time they see each other, he like apologizes. So I feel like he just kind of like bowed out at that point. Mm. I just thought that he was jealous because he saw, because like he, because the new boyfriend was already being introduced to the kids. So I thought he thought that was like a father replacement or something because he was also like no it's too early like they shouldn't be meeting he shouldn't be meeting the kids you'll just confuse the kids like blah 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 to be fair she didn't know it was a date right quote said is this a date oh my god this is a date is this a date i'm freaking out (laughs) so doesn't really seem like her fault yeah um but but yeah and then um and then we kind of get to the good stuff which is back to the TV studio. Um, this part was so funny. I was like <laughs> so pumped. So the producer lady for Mr. Jolly realizes that it's a terrible so- show. So she brings in this like young hip hop artist to like <laughs> make it more exciting or like Mr. Loopy or something, right? Yeah. Um, or maybe just loopy. I don't know. But like, basically, like they bring in a guest artist to like spice up the show a little. And he's like, this is a loop machine. And Mr. Jolly's like, where are the ribbons for the looping? And he's like, no, it's not like that. And then he shows him like a loop machine works where like you say something and it like repeats it so you can like make a harmony and like all that stuff. Just right? like Ed Sheeran. Exactly. And, um, and then mr jolly like says in the mic i'm so confused which like i did not know this line was going to be important yet (laughs) Um, and and then like it repeats it loops and he's just like running around the studio freaking out he's like no shut up because he like does cannot comprehend how a loop machine works like we're all laughing at this point you know it's great and then the director is like okay everyone take five because he's going crazy over a loop machine (laughs) So everybody leaves except the janitor who's Daniel. He's like cracking up because he hates Mr. Jolly anyway. So he like plays with, he like turns the machine back on. It like keeps looping. I'm so confused. And then he like picks up Mr. Jolly's like puppets and he like just freestyles a whole rap song about telling time. And it's so amazing. He also like, beatboxes and adds like other like vocal instrumentation to it yeah and he like like this man knows his way around a loop machine for some reason (laughs) he's a voice actor it's believable he like he voices the different puppets differently because like 
his talent is different voices, you know? And then like he, he, it's basically like he's teaching these two puppets how to tell time. And every time he kind of like says something complex or like says a lot of information and then like the two puppets are like buffering, he like loops. I'm so confused. And it's just, it's so good. He's just so happy with himself. I honestly like, I do actually think this song would be pretty good on the cast album, but I feel like you just have to see the the actual experience of him just like slowly adding things to the song and to just yeah. like it's such an innovative you know. number. Like it's just I feel like someone's gonna do it again soon in theater. It's just so interesting. I didn't really think it was something go- that was gonna happen. It's like improv comedy that's not improved. Well, I guess like in the scene it is but you know <laughs> yeah we all enjoyed it i everyone was laughing really hard yeah i feel like if i were to see the show again it would be mainly for this song right about space and don't ask me why but a clock has a face and in case you don't understand well let me expand i know it's kind of crazy but this face has it doesn't have hands like yours or mine no these hands they stand like two straight lines one is big the other is small does that make sense not at all. Well, the little hand's little, but it has the power. It doesn't cower. It points to the hour. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, then up to eleven and twelve. My expectations were not very high for this show. So, mm-hmm. like, I actually was very happy with it. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, we've been, like, sort of complaining about a lot of plot points in the show. But if you just like sit down and you just want something to laugh at and you're just like not really trying to think too hard, like I do think the actual experience of watching the show was like pretty good. Like we were laughing. We were having a good time. I remember um, asking Lily because Lily, our friend Lily saw the show the day before us and I was like, well, like, is this a show I would need caffeine for? And she was like, LOL, no. And so, you know, and that's always like a little bit of a benchmark for me. So, and and I mean, yeah, it's just like, like it does start on a little bit of a down note, but like once it picks up, it really like picks up and it, it, it goes a little off the rails in the second act, I think, but like it's, it's chugging along. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah like it didn't feel that long to me i feel like lately i've just been like so annoyed at two and a half hour shows i don't know like i think i'm just like getting old and i like want to be in bed early and like when a show like starts at eight and ends at 11 i'm like fuck you (laughs) um and like this was a full-length show and i wasn't mad yeah it didn't like drag and i wasn't like bored or annoyed or just like it was a good time and I feel like there aren't like a ton of shows that I feel that way about like there's really good shows and there's Mm -hmm. really bad shows and there's like shows that I like know are good but I still feel like they drag 
Right. And like, it's like nice to find a show that just kind of flies by. Yeah. And, um, like when I was talking about how this has like all the sort of like proper musical structure, I mean, I'd say it has like the proper musical structure, including second act problems, because I feel like I've been seeing this weird run of shows where for every show I've liked the second act better than the first act for like the last five shows I've seen. And that's not normal. Like most of the time, the first act is like generally better because you get to like know the characters and then the second act, you're like stuck picking up too many threads. But like the last few shows I've seen, I'm just like the first act is just so much exposition and they're doing so much setup. And then the second act, they just like have more fun with it. So it was like a return to form. <laughs> I think I like the first act structure more. Yeah, I'd say I like the first act more. Like a lot of the songs in the second act, now that I'm looking at it, are there's a lot of like throwaway songs or songs that just like went on too long. I'm also like just don't really like how the show ended um so yeah i don't know, you know i don't think i like the second act that much it's kind of interesting to me about this show is like he's really in a pickle but i wasn't very stressed about it like watching tootsie was a little bit like watching evan hansen like by act two i was so stressed for him mm-hmm. i was like how the fuck are you gonna pull this off like i'm like, I was so stressed, I was, like, almost not enjoying myself anymore. Mm. I was like, this is, this shit What's is going like, to go for badly. this, the only thing that, like, he really has to lose is his kids, which, I mean, like, we don't really care about him as a person that much, so it's fine. But, like, for Tootsie and stuff, it's like the whole cast is, like, holding him up as this, like, oh, my God, this is, like, the amazing new actress we found, and no- none of them know that it's an actor and not an actress. And, like all that and so it's like it has ramifications for other people in tootsie whereas for here it's just like it's mostly him i mean like the kids too but like mostly him yeah like i just enjoyed the second act because i wasn't freaking out about it and like maybe to some people that's like not good storytelling but for me it was just like a true comedy i was like cool i'm chilling yeah Well, it's like, I feel like there's, whenever there's a piece of entertainment, there's like the actual like message or whatever of the entertainment and like what it's trying to do. And then there's also the experience of like the person who is like witnessing it or like the viewer or the audience member or whatever. Like, like I can understand intellectually why 1917 is a good movie and like depicts war or whatever. But I just did not enjoy watching that movie because I was like alternatively bored and anxious like and I, was I was like so anxious like i feel like if i develop heart failure as a grandma that movie is the <laughs> i was like freaking out it was like it was like this is like a first person rpg shooting game except it's real life and i was like fuck no absolutely not so it was like it was like i can understand why it's critically acclaimed but i just don't think it's an enjoyable experience for the audience and i feel like at a certain point you do have to take that into account despite like even if you're making real art or whatever so you know i do i do appreciate that this like didn't try to make you feel like everything was gonna crash and burn that hard like you the the thing with these kinds of shows and like i mean we haven't really given a spoiler alert because either we assume that everyone's sort of familiar with the movie or it's like very predictable what's gonna happen um is 
like and and yeah you like you know that there's no way he's gonna keep up this lie for like the rest of time and you know that it's gonna have to come out and all that so it's like you're kind of just along for the ride and again like he's probably won't be able to crash and burn as hard as like in tootsie or as in dear evan hansen and and like even his studio job because like after he does his little like time improv the um studio lady says like oh hey like we might be interested in talking to you about like doing your own show and like that has nothing to do with him dressing up as mrs doubtfire because at this point she doesn't even fucking know about mrs doubtfire so even if like mrs doubtfire crashes and burns like he's still got his new job right like how lucky is it that he finds like the one job in the world where he's still available to hang out with his kids after school (laughs) But um, so we end act one on like a pretty high note, I would say. Um, It's not like the craziest act one closing number, but like it's enjoyable. It's called Rockin' Now. And it's basically just like he has mastered the art of being a dad nanny. Um, <laughs> Like the kids now like him. He picks them up from school. Like they're jamming. He's a great chef now. He like flattened a chicken in two seconds. And um, he's actually cooking the meals, no longer getting that DoorDash. And, like, everyone's just grooving. And They're all cleaning the house together, too. Like, shocking. Oh, yeah. They, like, throw broomsticks around. It's because, like, in the movie, there's... It's, like, a semi-famous scene where he's, like, dancing with the vacuum. So I guess they had to, like, incorporate that somehow and stuff. Yeah. Natalie can't catch broomsticks, but it's okay. She's still cute. Um, and, and then, yeah, and then basically he is fixing his fake skin in the bathroom when Christopher walks in on him and Christopher is just like, starts screaming and Lydia's like, what, what's going on? And he's like, Mrs. Doubtfire's face. I don't think that's her real face. Which is, like, such a funny but crazy thing to say. Like, Lydia's just a great sister, you know? Because then Mrs. Doubtfire, like, comes out of the bathroom and she just, like, stands in front of her or him. And Lydia's just like, don't go near my brother. Like, I would be fucking terrified. I was like, not her real face. What the fuck do you mean? (laughs) It's like, I'm out of here. (laughs) Yeah, just run out the door. I'm like, you grab Natalia. I'm gone. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, she's a great sister. So, he just confesses that that he's their dad and mm-hmm. then and then lights up yeah which honestly is a pretty great way to close the show like it's also a little bit textbook like you he thinks he's at the like highest point and then all of a sudden it just comes crashing down and you have to wait until after intermission to see how he deals with it recurring jokes which on paper really should not have been this funny 
is uh, the fact that his brother cannot tell lies without screaming. So he's like, every time he lies, he just starts yelling. And so it's like really obvious when the brother, uh, his name is Frank. He's played by Brad Oscar. When Frank is telling a lie because he just starts like yelling. He's like, yes, Mrs. Doubtfire is my sister. And, like, and it's just so obvious. And like Chris starts doing the, the same thing in the second act. It's and so it, it just like funny. sort of became a recurring joke and i'm like this shouldn't even be that funny because they're just yelling and like it's so obvious that they're like not telling the truth but it's just so funny i don't know why it's funny no yeah i fucking loved it when like um when when his husband tells like the actress that they're doing makeup for because she's like why is he yelling in the at the phone and then he's like oh he just like yells a lot when he's lying he can't lie without yelling and then like right after that he like looks at the actress and he's like you're very talented (laughs) it was was amazing and oh i guess like we kind of left out some stuff but this comes up because the the divorce I don't know, like they, the court assigns someone to like check up on Daniel to make sure that he's like getting that job and apartment and everything. And so this woman, what's her name? Erica? Uh, Wanda. Oh, Wanda. Um, she's just like always up in his apartment and he's like, why do you have an old lady here? Like what the fuck is going on? And then like the worst liar in the fucking world it's just like yes mrs doubtfire is my sister and um it's amazing and and she's literally like ah there's something weird going on here like she's not dumb yeah so so act two opens also very standard it like starts with like an energetic fluff number called Mm -hmm. the shape of things to come which to be fair is very fun to watch but like not that important to the plot um so Miranda, her business is like in fashion and she's launching a new clothing line and like her new, her plus size model couldn't make it. And she was like, I need to have a plus size model to show that my brand is inclusive. So she like asks Mrs. Doubtfire to just like wear a pair of Spanx or something. Mm-hmm. And um, he's obviously freaking out, but he like kind of figures it out. He just like puts some extra clothes on and then he like, starts like rapping or break dancing or or whatever with like the rest of the models he's and so bad at like how did he make it this long undercover i know <laughs> like just fucking walk the runway like a normal person because he's such like, an attention whore yeah pretty much which like yeah he goes viral which is bad because he's not a real fucking person and also because <laughs> like because there's this court lady checking up on him he was like oh well like i have to give her you know receipts from his gender job because he can't be seen like working for his ex-wife because that's creepy for him to be impersonating someone to work for his ex-wife you know so he basically because the the court lady ran into him going into his apartment as mrs doubtfire he says that mrs doubtfire is his like scottish sister separated from birth they spin a whole story because his actual brother doesn't know that mrs doubtfire is supposed to be his sister in this case etc and it it becomes this big thing where like she sees the video that went viral and she's like so why is your sister like 
helping out your ex-wife where is this relation your ex-wife said that you don't have a sister like this is weird and so yeah he he basically digs himself a hole there yeah it's it's bad but um then right after that we have big fat no which is basically the hunk stewart being like i really like miranda and and he's like no well it's mrs doubtfire saying this but he's just like no, she's not interested in guys like you. You're too ripped. You're too sculpted. You're too tall. Like you're too attractive. Blah 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 blah. And then like Stu is just like, how is this possible? I thought she liked me. Everyone likes me. And then like they're having this like little kerfuffle at the gym that he owns. So like all these other gym bros are just like taking his side, and they're like, yeah, Stu, just go for it. Everyone likes you. But did um, you see that random dude that was just like doing crunches in the back the whole time they were talking? I was like, is this just his like regular workout that he's like, well, time to get my workout in. Like, let me just do a bunch of crunches. And I was like, how is he still doing this? To be fair, that's what I thought of everyone in this song. (laughs) And then let go with Miranda, I think, is where the what we talked about earlier, where like she's just like, yeah, like confessing. Like having a heart to heart moment with Mrs. Doubtfire. And she's just like, this is not going to work out with Daniel because he's a five year old. And, and, and it was nice because it was sort of about how, like, she knew that their marriage wasn't working anymore, but she still, it was still hard for her to like go through with the divorce, which was a perspective that Daniel hadn't considered because he was like, oh, how could she just throw away like so many years of marriage and like we have our three kids together and like, all that and so that was the first time he actually got to hear like how conflicted she was and how much she was like having a tough time and like Lydia did mention to him earlier like as Mrs. Doubtfire she was like oh like thank you like I haven't seen mom smile like that for a long time and so it was like yeah she was really stressed when they were married yeah it was a really interesting point because she was just like it's not fair that I had to be the bad guy that called quits because, like, I didn't even do anything wrong. <laughs> Sometimes love tries to conquer all the pain, but even so, Sometimes love can't win No matter how you fight somehow You know And it's harder to hold on Than to let go So you just let go. And then I don't know what clean up this mess is, but I assume he just like decides to be better after let go well, and so buys an actual couch. He like well, he has the kids over again now that he has like a real ass apartment with real furniture and chairs. And right before they leave, like because their mom shows up and Lydia is like, you know, you're gonna have to come clean to her about like mrs doubtfire or like mrs doubtfire has to die or something so that because as long as mrs doubtfire is here we won't get our dad back 
And so I think that's what this is about. And then it turns into like a nightmare sequence where, cause he has oh, another meeting with the, um, no, that's I, playing with fire. It is, but I think they lead into each other. Oh, really? I don't remember this. Like, I, I, I want to say it like started with him singing a solo and then it just went into like fucking nightmare visions with 10 different doubt fires on stage like Beetlejuice. Yeah, he he has a nightmare where he goes to Wanda's office because Wanda is like, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need to see you and Mrs. Doubtfire because she saw the viral video of Mrs. Doubtfire dancing while working for Miranda. So she's like, this is sketchy. Um, So he's like freaking out because he can't be in Wanda's office alongside Mrs. Doubtfire. He has this nightmare where like, basically like all his kids prefer mrs doubtfire to him and then he's like trying to get out of it but they keep like physically dragging him back in and like forcing the wig and stuff onto him and it was like exponentially creepier than it could have been than it should have been because i saw him without his wig and he looked like shrek (laughs) and it was just it was such a random like um thing that it was like this song did not need to be this long and I'm like i kind of I, bored it, it just like it it was also just like you know like insane belting like she's a really good singer and like very it's a very like crowd pleaser sort of song but like in the like american idol way where like you know they hit a high note and they hold that note and they're just like belting it out and all of a sudden like everybody goes crazy because like oh my god they're singing a high note very loudly and it's like that kind of song but like i don't think the song actually does much after you get the gist of it like like i think it is a necessary song for him to actually be like oh my god mrs doubtfire is getting in the way of me and my kids even though the point of mrs doubtfire was like supposed to be the opposite but like it just kept going on yeah yeah like i did not know one that could sing until now and then she just started singing for like seven minutes straight. And the nightmare sequence was just not visually interesting enough to keep it going for that long. He lied to me. Oh my God, we're already here. Okay, so we need to like do a lot of plot explaining. <laughs> um, okay, so 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 because he has to so it's like so like I think the the nightmare sequence happens like Friday night, probably, and he has to meet Wanda with mrs doubtfire in tow on monday morning so um his daughter is like dude you gotta quit like now which makes sense so um saturday morning he goes to to um his wife's house and um and tries to tell her that he's quitting but then well before- he says he's like he needs to go back to scotland and she thinks he means like as a vacation and yeah. he's like no no but like before that can happen um because it's also his wife's birthday which she's like trying to do a birthday dinner and they're trying to like invite mrs doubtfire yep um and he's like, I can't go. But then Natalie begs him. And I guess that's his weakness because they use it multiple times where he makes bad decisions because his <laughs> daughter pouts at him, which he still needs to figure out. 
Honestly, um, though, understandable. <laughs> like, like, okay, literally, be a better dad. Every every time she pouted, the whole audience was like, "Aw!" Like you could hear it. Like every time. <laughs> yeah, she was really cute. Um, so he's like, "Okay, I'll go to this dinner, which includes the new boyfriend." And the daughter is like, "You idiot!" But then. He gets a phone call from the Mr. Jolly producer lady who has offered him a TV deal. And she's like, hey, I need to reschedule our conversation where you're going to pitch me your ideas to tonight. So he asks her to meet him at the same exact like Mexican restaurant, I think, as Mm -hmm. the birthday dinner. And his plan is just to eat dinner quick change (laughs) eat another dinner quick change go back to the first table quick change go back to the second table like a crazy person really funny from the because he brought along his brother and his brother's husband to help him with the quick changes like sitting in a handicap stall they were like like, oh well yeah like thank you for the invitation to this restaurant when people ask us how it was we'll be like the bathroom was great (laughs) we're just hanging out in the bathroom the whole time ready to help him with his quick changes and like i guess like someone needed to hold the costumes and like keep a bathroom stall open for him <laughs> i don't know but his brother really does a lot for him it's wild um man if i were that brother's husband like i'd be like yo this is your crazy family like you can like, deal with you better this. give me one of your kids after this <laughs> um so so yeah, so so he does this, which is just terrible. And um he you know, he he's sitting down with his family, the producer comes, he quick change and runs over and like he's just running back and forth in in the restaurant and he's literally pitching to the producer like kids just want someone authentic. And then there's this like flamenco lady who's singing um he lied to me and it's like super like stereotypical fiery like latin american she's wearing like just like black and red ruffles and like feathers in her hair and like red lipstick and she's just like he lied to me and like that's the song where she just like and it's like a pretty um common trope where it's like supposedly a completely unrelated ambient song but it like explains their life perfectly you know so he's feeling very attacked right now (laughs) by this flamenco lady yeah honestly it's great because he keeps like running into her (laughs) as he's like bolting across the restaurant and he's like oh my god i legit feel like the choreographer was just like hey so i want to choreograph a flamenco and they're like you know what we could make that happen like there's no reason it needed to be a flamenco but it was so you know it was fine yeah it was really fun um and at the end of this basically he he pretty much gets found out because he accidentally sits down at the producer's table as mrs doubtfire and she's like what the fuck and he's like he like improvises and he's like, Oh, this is, this is one of the characters I was pitching because in his like children's show pitch, he was like, I'm going to play a bunch of different characters and like the kids will know it's me and it'll be really funny. So he's like, yeah, this is one of the characters I'm pitching. And like, she thought it was really funny. Like the producer thought it was really funny. And he, like, I think like he maybe got up to like do a bit of like on the spot acting. And then one of the Funko dancers 
like picks him up and then everyone loves watching a grandma dance i guess also he went viral for break dancing so true so like the whole restaurant's like hyped the flamenco dancers are like twirling him apparently so hard that his wig and dress come off um and then he's just standing there in his spanx with his fake tits out and um the producer lady loves it but his wife is like what the fuck yep and um yeah that's so he's fucked um so i i went to the wikipedia page for the movie and okay mm-hmm. daniel is such a terrible person like and so um so no he's at the same dinner where he's like with an executive at the studio who in the movie is a man and you know he's also at this like birthday dinner for his wife and it literally says like after overhearing that stew is allergic to pepper daniel sneaks into the kitchen and seasons stew's order of jambalaya with powdered cayenne pepper stew chokes on his dinner and daniel feeling guilty administers the heimlich maneuver as mrs doubtfire the action causes the prosthetic mask to partially peel off daniel's face revealing his identity and horrifying miranda who storms out of the restaurant with the kids like he really had it out for stew yeah pretty much I thought it was like, I thought like he was going to the dinner to keep an eye on him and stuff. I was like, dude, just be like the chaperone. (laughs) Yeah. Like no funny business at the dinner table. Um, but yeah, so, so that happens and, um, the, the court is basically like, so he's psycho and he's not going to get the kids. And, um, yeah, because he, he used to get the kids for, like, one day a week, I think. Mm-hmm. And they're like, so you can have um, supervised visitations once a month or something? Was that what they said? I don't remember the timing, but it was definitely, like, someone... F- not, like, not like supervised by his ex-wife, but, like, supervised by, like, a government official. Yeah. And he was like, you rough. can't do this to me. Like, I need to be with my kids. Like, and... Honestly, at this point, I was still kind of mad at him because I was like, like, and and um, his brother's husband, Andre, literally points this out to him earlier where he's like, because his brother and his husband are trying to adopt a baby, but they're like having trouble getting through the courts and stuff. And so they're like, you are literally jeopardizing your chance with your kids and we can't even get a kid. And kind of true. I was like, yeah, like he just brought himself into this i don't know i wasn't that sympathetic for him during this second court scene either i felt a little bad because like he was so close to pulling it off you know (laughs) so it was it was sad and then um like just pretend i'm pretty sure it's like lydia is talking to him like right after the court ruling and like the kids are essentially saying goodbye to him and um He's, she's just like, if you used to love mom and now you don't love mom anymore, then, like, what if you don't love me anymore? So why can't you just keep it going, acting like the love's still there? Maybe you could just breathe. Say that you could just pretend a little more if you 
They say like their final goodbye or whatever before he's stuck with like supervised visits. And like I guess it's always tough for a show like this because like I think Tootsie and Darren Hansen had the same problem where I think the the show wants you to be on like the main character side and it wants to give the main character like a happy ending. So it kind of just like waves away everything they've done as a shitty person. Hi Joey. Um <laughs> And and it's just like, okay, and they're magically forgiven now. And like, I mean, I guess like Miranda kind of had a point because she was like, oh, well, like when you were Mrs. Doubtfire, like I liked myself as a person better. Like the kids were doing so much better. Like we all just were better as people when Mrs. Doubtfire was around. And so she like forgave Daniel for doing that because it like made them better people, I guess, which... Like, I get it, but also it's it's just, like, a weird vibe. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't, like, I wasn't so mad at him anymore at the end because it was just, like, you should have figured this out earlier, but you are capable of being a decent person. Yeah. But now you're stuck in this lie because you didn't think you were capable of being a decent decent person but But like it transitions into the last song which is just as long as there is love which is such a cheesy ending his wife was like i've thought about it and you're such a great dad i talked to the court and like we're gonna split time with our kids now and i was like okay well she was forget basically he gets to be (laughs) he gets to be the nanny like after school because he gets to like pick them up from school and like spend the afternoons with them and stuff before she gets home like, from work. I guess she's like, that's been the setup for the past few months and no one died and now I don't have <laughs> to pay anybody anymore. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, and I never talked about like the mom's creepy voice because she <laughs> it's sounds not like creepy. Snow White. It's just too happy for her like predicament. She has just such a like, it's like this like purity of tone in her voice it's like it's like fake like that i'm not saying like that's not her voice but it just sounds so fake she sounds like a fake bitch it's like such like a rapunzel snow white kind of voice and like and like you can sing like that like a lot of disney princesses sing like that but i don't even think disney princesses all talk like that like when she talks, she just carries that same Disney princess sing-songy voice. And she's just like, I can't do this anymore, Daniel. This isn't fair for me. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> you sound like a robot, like a happy, innocent robot. But still. This is uh, Jen Gambatis, by the way, who apparently is known for playing Wicked because she put like five clues to that in her Playbill oh, yeah. bio. Her bio is incredible. So I guess she has that going for her. Yeah. Um, oh well. So 
when um because the kids are all like low-key depressed because natalie really liked mrs outfire she's probably very confused about what's happening and like everybody else is like now we get neither mrs doubtfire nor our dad so and then like miranda's like okay kids like come downstairs i want you to meet your new nanny i think you'll really like this one and i i fucking knew it was gonna be daniel right when she opened the door but i still got like a little emotional when she opened the door and it was daniel walking in i was like i hate that i care about this but they're just so happy now so but yeah. the last song it, was just so cheesy that I was like, okay, I'm done. I mean, it's just like a really like happy ending because it's like now he has a show. He makes a lot of money. His job still allows him to pick his kids up from school every day. And like everybody's happy. I'm just so glad that his wife didn't go back to him because like that would have just killed me. Yeah. And, and so she's like still with Stu, which honestly – as Stu, I would be so fucking mad because, like, there's this, like, guy who he thought was an older woman who was, like, actively trying to sabotage his relationship, basically. And now he, like, kind of knows why he was, like, actively trying to sabotage his relationship. Like, and and the fact that, like, he was still hanging around. I don't know. I feel like Stu should be super sus about that. That's the whole show. I, I would, like, recommend. It's like a it's a tourist show. Like, I would recommend it to people who, like, don't really care about, you know, a, like, deeper message or anything. Just, like, two and a half hours of entertainment, done. Like, that's what this show is. It's, like, not top on my list to see again. But for people that liked the movie and, like, aren't intense Broadway fans, I think I would totally recommend this. Mm-hmm. I think people just, like, it's one of those shows where people just had, like, such fond memories of the movie where, like, it just really depends if you're open to seeing another version of it where it's not, like, Robin Williams and everything doing Mrs. Doubtfire. So what do you think Tony Award-wise? I mean, definitely Rob McClure for Best Actor. I don't think he's, I don't think he's the lock to win it. I don't even think he's probably gonna win it at all like people when this first came out was like oh my god robin McClure is definitely gonna win the tony and i just don't think that's true anymore um between mj and like i'm assuming a strange loop like and even like hugh jackman even though i don't think hugh jackman's gonna like win the tony or anything but i just don't think he actually did that much remember when like, you were shocked when I was saying how, like, Alex Brightman was going to get a nomination. Yeah. <laughs> like, Alex Brightman really carries Beetlejuice, though. Like, Ron McClure's mm-hmm. great. Like, he's a good actor. But he doesn't do that much. Like, again, the kick line does half his job. Cool. Cool. All right. That's it. Um, <laughs> yeah, our schedule's going to be kind of weird for the next month or so because we will be out of town <laughs> not recording you west end shows we could do like a west end recap oh man that could be really fun maybe we should do that yeah okay so Fantastic. we'll be a, over in the west end for i'll be there for most of may i guess we'll both kind of be there for a good chunk of may i'm technically so, also there for i'm only not there for like three days 
<laughs> I'm the, yeah, that's true. Because I decided to show up like midweek. I was just like, why the fuck not? Whatever. <laughs> so yeah, so we'll both like be in London for most of May. May or may not be hearing about that in the future. So stay tuned. If not, we will definitely probably be reviewing Girl from the North Country and A Strange Loop. I'd say are the two other major players of the season. We'll get to Paradise Square, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, so you can stay tuned. Who knows what's coming next? You should follow our podcast to find out. And you can do that on either Twitter or Instagram at Bottomless B-Way. You can email us at bottomlessbway at gmail.com. Or if you just want the podcast episodes and nothing else, you can go to whatever podcast player of your choice and follow us, Bottomless Broadway. And you will be able to find out what our next show is. So we will see you next time.